and welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. J. Sheree Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Tamika Cross, board-certified OBGYN, to share a little with us about maternal health in Black women. Dr. Cross, welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me here today. I'm very excited to join you. Awesome. So Dr. Cross is a fellow hashtag Meharry maid. So happy to be here with her today. Could you share a little about your journey to medicine and how you ended up choosing uh, the field of obstetrics and gynecology? Absolutely. So I pretty much knew from a young age that I wanted to practice medicine. Um, I think that medicine encompassed everything that I truly loved from math, science to teaching and helping people. And so I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a physician and I am from the Metro Detroit area. And so two of my childhood um, doctors, actually my dentist and my pediatrician both looked like me. And I thought that was awesome because they were literally like extended members of the family. And so they knew, you know, everything about me and my parents and my siblings. And so I thought that that was a very awesome relationship to have um, at a young age. That was probably my earliest exposure to medicine. And then what about your time at Meharry in medical school? How did you end up deciding on OBGYN as your specialty? So I actually, when I went to Meharry, I went with the uh, mindset of becoming a pediatrician. And so I actually changed my mind um, as we started rotating through the different specialties. And what I liked about OB was, or OBGYN, was the fact that it, um, in one day, you could do a surgery, deliver a baby, see some patients in clinic, that it really um, was able to combine the primary care aspect as well as the surgical aspect. And I really loved that. On top of being able to take care of like, different generations. So I have a lot of families now where I'm taking care of the child and the mother and the grandmother. And so I I love that about the field too, Um, obviously for different reasons, but um, I love the fact that I'm able to take care of um, multiple generations. So you are in a full spectrum practice at this point in time, doing both obstetrics and gynecology? Yes, I would say my practice is actually pretty much 50-50 because I truly do love both. And so I see patients as young as like 12 and 13 having issues with their period or things like that, up to patients that are coming in 85 and having issues with like vaginal irritation and things like that. So I have a wide spectrum of ages that I definitely cover in clinic. Okay, awesome. So I follow you on social media and you post a lot of awesome content. And one of the things I saw you post recently was a video about a young mother whose story, unfortunately, uh, didn't um, go that well. And you were doing this uh, to recognize Black Maternal Health Week. Could you share a little about this for us? 
So yeah, so the story that I shared was the story of Kira Johnson, who um, actually now is actually a well-known story amongst a lot of uh, medical professionals and even people not in medicine. And so it was a very unfortunate situation that happened out on the West Coast where um, there's an African-American couple. Um, They were there for labor and delivery. And basically after um, she delivered a, a healthy baby, there were some complications in which she was having abdominal pain and her belly was getting um, distended. And essentially um, she come to find out she had some internal bleeding. And so um, a lot of different orders and things like that, as far as like imaging and labs and things like that needed to be ordered emergently or stat as we say in the medical field. And so when these things were ordered, nothing was really done in an emergent fashion, despite the fact that she was having, you know, pain and discomfort. And I believe she even started having bleeding coming out of her, um, her Foley catheter. And so all these things were happening and her husband was advocating for her and trying to speak up and they basically kept pushing them to the side. And so by time that they actually got the imaging done and actually took her found out that they needed to take her back to the OR again. It had been something, um, I want to say like nine hours. And so basically when they went and opened her up, all of the, um, you know, pressure and all the blood like, um, was noted as soon as they entered and she coded on the table and she passed away. So a healthy, young, fit, active mother with no medical problems goes in to have a baby and never makes it out of the hospital. Um, alive. So it was a very, very sad story that um, they have basically highlighted um, a lot during Black Maternal Health Week because her husband has been now an advocate for Black maternal health and then just basically speaking up and encouraging um, our healthcare professionals to listen to our Black women. And so that is one of many examples of why Black Maternal Health Week is important. Um, It truly highlights a lot of these different issues and disparities that occur in the field. And it helps to promote advocacy and education and the underlying, you know, systemic racism that occurs. What are some of uh, the more common adverse events that we're noting um, in maternal health that we should be on the lookout for? So a postpartum hemorrhage is actually um, the number one cause of maternal mortality um, currently. And so that's one of the big ones. And so postpartum hemorrhage would be just bleeding during delivery, whether it be a vaginal delivery or a cesarean section. Um, Other conditions that um, are definitely um, highlighted in maternal health would be things like preeclampsia, things like gestational um, hypertension gestational diabetes, um, cardiomyopathy, to name a few. Well, with those issues you just mentioned, Dr. Cross, tell us a little about why do those disproportionately affect us as Black women? So I think the the answer is truly multifactorial. And so I think that some of the factors that contribute to that would all fall under the umbrella of systemic racism. And so from something as um, simple as not listening to our women, right? When they're saying that they have pain, when they're saying that something's not right, they don't feel right, they're having this symptom, they're having swelling. And so instead of shrugging them off and not listening to them and not 
um, prioritizing their concerns, that is um, a major issue that is seen um, in the Black community. I think another issue that leads to this is also access to care. And not just access to any care, but access to high quality, unbiased medical care. And again, that leads back to systemic racism as well. And so our systems are truly broken and that they're not really set up to support the Black woman. And so um, I think that that is a huge factor that needs to be addressed. How can we then, considering that we are millennials here listening to this podcast, the overwhelming majority of us at this point are of childbearing age, and many are planning to become mothers. How can we advocate for ourselves having these uh, facts at hand, knowing this information? What can we try to do to not become statistics? I think that's a great question. And I think the number one thing that I would say is to speak up, right? So you need to speak up for yourself. You need to be your own advocate. You need to ask questions. You know, if your doctor is telling you that, you know, you have a certain condition or is explaining to you that you're going to have to have a certain kind of surgery or a different type of delivery, these are are things that you need to be asking more questions to find out why. And, you know, it's you I always tell my patients, you know, it's your medical record. You have a right to your medical record. You have a right to know why doctors are doing different things. And so I think um, one of the biggest the biggest things is that we need to speak up. We need to ask our doctors why they're doing things and what's going on. Um, another thing I think is important to have a solid support system around you. And so by having people, whether it's your spouse, your your mother, your father, your in-laws, whoever it may be that supports you, that they know what your wishes are, that they will support you on your journey. I think it really makes a difference in um, your entire process, uh, your entire pregnancy, excuse me. And um, I think another thing, a lot of Black women are actually um, choosing providers that look like them. And I think they're choosing providers that look like them, hoping to mitigate some of the racial bias that's out there. And while I do encourage that, um, I just like to let all my patients know, I mean, that's one provider, right? And a system, and a system of multiple providers that you're going to have contact with. And so that may not necessarily fix all of the problems, but I think it's a good start. And I think regardless of what your provider looks like, The biggest thing is that your provider, your OBGYN provider, whether it be a family medicine doctor, whether it be an OBGYN, whether it be a nurse practitioner, as long as they are an advocate for you, then I think that's what's important. And so I think you need to make sure that you're choosing someone that's going to have your best interest um, on the front line at all times. And I think that's a huge point, actually. Someone who understands you, you know, someone who is culturally competent. And regardless of that, because we have lots of advocates, right, who aren't uh, Black, who really do stand up for us. And I think particularly here in Minnesota, uh, one of the family physicians who I really look up to for all of my OB questions, you know, is a white woman who I just truly admire the way she advocates for us in the community, genuinely. And so I think what's important is that you have feel that the person has your best interests at heart. You said something that I really love, that they listen to you and they understand you and not shrug things off as, 
oh, that's nothing. Everything can be explained. And if they don't have the answer to explain it, it's okay for them to go and ask a colleague or find out otherwise and get that information back to you as opposed to just shrugging it off and letting it go. You know, so patient empowerment is a huge one. It's a little empowerment project of mine. I love that you said that you own this medical record. So I think I'm going to start using that one as well (laughs) because I really want to break down some of these hierarchical dynamics that cause some of these issues or at least contribute to some of these issues. Because even in situations where there are providers who are doing their best to communicate, it has to be understood as well. We have to speak the language that our patients understand. We have to be like competent enough to ask, like, do you get it right? And have patients feel comfortable enough to say yes and say no and not just shrug their head, right? And just say, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, doc. Nope, it's not whatever I say. It's your body too. So I like that. I'm going to try this. Like it's your medical record one too. So yeah, so that's actually a really good point that I wanted to um, emphasize um, earlier was that it's important that we are educating our women and that we're educating in a way that's culturally sensitive um, to all, you know, um, ethnic groups to be able to to reach everyone in a way that, you know, that they can understand and take it home to their families to be able to continue educating everyone else in their household as well. So I think that's a very important point that I wanted to um, harp on that you actually just pointed out. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I wanted us to speak a little more to our millennials listening to this podcast who are not yet mothers, uh, have not yet uh, become pregnant, but are thinking about it considering the age range that we're currently in. What are some things that we can do to increase our odds of having successful uh, and healthy uh, pregnancies? So I think number one, it's important to establish care with an OBGYN provider that is somebody that you can build rapport with, that you can trust. And to go ahead and get that established before you even become pregnant. So that's already in place. And I think by doing that, um, if you have any past deliveries, if you had any past surgeries, that that gives a chance for you and your provider to get all your records transferred over, to have them to be able to comb through your medical record to basically give you personalized counseling, preconception counseling for your situation specifically. Um, I think another thing that is important as well is definitely implementing a healthy lifestyle. So um, implementing, you know, diet, a well-balanced diet, as well as like an exercise regimen where you're exercising four to five times a week at minimum. And so getting all of that as a part of your regimen before you even become pregnant is important. And then most importantly, um, start taking prenatal vitamins. I always tell my patients, like, if you're not taking birth control and you are having unprotected sex, then you are trying to get pregnant. So I encourage all uh, women of reproductive um, age to actually be taking prenatal vitamins um, because most times we don't find out that we're pregnant until later on. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cross, for joining us today on the Millennial Health Podcast and sharing all these pearls. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. 
Awesome. So everyone, I hope you really enjoyed this information and that it was beneficial to you. If you did, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. If you do have questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Millennial Health Doc. I dabble on Twitter and Facebook as well. And you can also reach me on my podcast website. Until our next episode, bye.